Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Come in, have a seat, sit down, kick up your feet, take off your shoes. Okay, put your shoes back on, your feet are gross. Um, sit down by the fire and let's have a chat. Um, but first, before we do that, I just wanted to remind you that you can always get in touch with me at adventsmillennial at gmail.com. Um, I also interact with people probably the most on Facebook and Instagram, so if you're wanting to ask a question or suggest a topic for the podcast, let me know there. Um, and thank you to those of you who have reviewed this podcast on iTunes. I really appreciate it. And uh, one of the suggestions, actually, that I got in one of those reviews was someone wishing for, like, a blog or Q and a Q&A where um, they could ask questions or things like that. So, message received. Today we are doing Q&A. So, yay. Um, I'm also trying to think of other ways to make this platform more interactive so that those of you who do have thoughts um to share can share them uh so what are your guys's preferred ways to engage like i said i like facebook and instagram um but what do you guys think i was also thinking of maybe doing a live stream on youtube or facebook where people can have like live chat going on at the same time that's always fun um because you know i'll happily keep just doing stuff that's interesting to me but I have gotten some messages from people with thoughts or questions or, um, you know, interesting insights, all that kind of stuff, and I appreciate that, but I'm sure there are more of you out there who just haven't um, reached out yet, so I encourage you to do that, and hopefully we can find, keep finding ways to make this more interactive. Okay, so now I'm going to answer your questions, bum ba da dum and I guarantee that everything I say is absolutely prophetic truth, and you will be better for having asked me. So here we go. Okay, question number one. Do you feel that SDA young people are more socially awkward for one reason or another than the average Christian? Okay, this is a good question. I'm glad you asked me because I'm an expert in socially awkward people being one myself. Um, first of all, just as a disclaimer, just as my authority on this topic, um, yes, I was homeschooled, yes, I'm Adventist, yes, I tick all of the socially awkward boxes, I have a social, an awkward personality, so, you know, uh, everything is checked in that category for me. <laughs> um, that being said, I would say probably just being Adventist isn't more likely to make people socially awkward, because I think, as I have just demonstrated, um, there are multiple factors that go into the creation of a super awkward person. Um, personality plays into it. Obviously, some people are more, um, or less social than others. Homeschooling, yes, plays into it. The stereotype is a stereotype for a reason. <laughs> And I can say that because I was homeschooled. It's the thing I cling to, okay, when, when, whenever something awkward happens, I just claim my home base. I was homeschooled. You know, it can't, I can't be held accountable for my awkward behavior because I was homeschooled. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, the amount you're forced to interact with other people, which is connected, I think, in a lot, at least in people's minds with homeschooling. Um, but then... At the same time, you know, I would also say the truth is people out there 
in the world are not that socially adept either, to be honest. Especially, it's a generational thing. Um, technology has has crippled us in a lot of ways. You know, there's a, there are a lot of tropes out there in culture and just in the world at large of, like, the, the socially awkward people. And I think that most people, I would say most people feel that in themselves in some way. Unless you're, like, someone like... Zac Efron or something. <laughs> I think everybody to some extent feels socially awkward and um, maybe we exacerbate that in Adventism because we have a lot of the factors of like homeschooling is common and isol <laughs> isolationism is common and things, but in general I would say probably no. If you looked at our generation compared to previous generations, it would be a bigger, it would be a bigger, um, lopsided view than Adventists of a sa of the same generation compared to non-Adventists of the same generation. I think that's my opinion. Um, and like I said, it's prophetically true, so you have to believe it. Um, next question. What do you do when you're not working or podcasting? Well, I'm listening to podcasts. I have a lot of podcasts that I listen to. So many, in fact, that I can't keep up with all of them. A lot of the ones that I listen to actually are daily, like political commentary, uh, current events commentary. Um, so I always have something to listen to. Uh, then I also watch a lot of TV. Um, this is not correct Adventist behavior, I'm aware of that, but I watch a lot of TV, especially comedies. I watch a lot of sitcoms. Otherwise, how could I be so well-versed in this stuff, you guys? It's part of my knowledge base as a self-professed aspiring comedian um, that I have to, it's research, really. I mean, you know, right now I'm, <laughs> right now I'm watching through Curb Your Enthusiasm, which, if you have not watched that show, um, you're missing out. It's a really good show. Uh, so yeah, so I watch a lot, uh, mostly comedy, but I watch a lot of other stuff, like, um, uh, I recently watched the new, um, Amazon show with Julia Roberts that was, um, interesting, and it was, hmm, have, have any of you guys watched it? Let me know what you thought about it. I, it was interesting enough that it, it kept my attention despite the fact that Julia Roberts is very old looking at this point. <laughs> is that a mean thing to say? She played the part well. Okay, I guess. Anyway, um, so yeah, I watch a lot of stuff. I, I do try to read. I don't read as much probably as I should or as much as I, I would like to. Um, who reads these days? I do listen to a lot of books. I, I borrow books from the library. I get books from Audible. Um, so if I can't some books I just have to read because the mental processing of listening to a book is different than reading it. So if it's something that I really want to, like, actually <laughs> absorb, I try to actually read it. Um, then every once in a while I like to scrounge up a few friends from somewhere, I don't know where, and have game night. <laughs> If you've ever had game, okay, if you listened to the last episode of this podcast and you listened to uh, me and my brother touting our incredible communication <laughs> conglomerate mind, um, I invite you to come to game night and play charades with me and my siblings and you will be 
shocked and horrified at how good we are at charades. So that's another thing I like to do. Um, literally sitting down and doing nothing is another thing that I legitimately do. <laughs> um, when I live, when I, I did a student missionary year in Ukraine. When I lived there, um, I would say like the majority of that year I spent sitting on my bunk bed looking out the window and thinking. <laughs> like when I wasn't teaching classes, that's what I was doing. And that's kind of like my default setting is just to sit down and think about stuff and stare. Uh, one time I remember I was at some kind of like work training seminar conference thing. Anyway, they made us do one of those like personality things and it had like a scale of of energy level and you know some people are just like these go 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 get it done types and they just have high energy and they're always busy doing something that's my mom for me apparently i'm very low energy because <laughs> i can just sit down and like just it's not even like i'm sitting down staring at my phone it's like i'm just sitting down <laughs> staring <laughs> at nothing um, so that takes up a large amount of my time in my life. Um, it is very important. If I don't have time to sit down and stare, um, then I become extremely grouchy and nobody wants to be around me. Um, what else do I do? Those are pretty much it. Mostly solitary things, except for the once in a while people will invite me to stuff and I'll, uh, tyrannize myself until I do it. And then I sometimes enjoy it and sometimes I regret it. So that just about sums it up. All right, next question uh, says, walk us through how you interact with God. Um, well, like I said, I sit, sit down and stare out the window <laughs> and think. And I think about, that is really true. Um, I spend a lot of time just thinking. Of course, reading helps a lot. Reading the Bible and reading different things helps to give you something to think about. Um, so that's a big part of it. Music has always been a huge part of my spiritual life. Um, I think we all have those times of what we would call like the ups and downs of our spiritual walk where we feel sort of, as you would say, closer to God or farther from him. In the times when I have been quote unquote closer to God, it has involved um, regular sort of intentional reading and praying, um, but then at the same time too, there there's another aspect um, that I didn't when I was younger I didn't think was that important was to just sit down and think uh, about how I see God and and how um, how I understand Him really. When I was in that very conservative place, uh, the kind of very traditional Adventist place of, you know, wake up and always do your devotions in the morning because it's important to do them at the beginning of the day and do it early in the morning and read such and such amount from the Bible and spirit of prophecy and read at pray in such and such amount of time in such and such acts format or whatever. Um, all of those things offered structure, and so in that sense it did help me, I think, but I also felt during those times, um, that I couldn't articulate at that time, but looking back now that I was kind of just feeling around through a darkness because even though I was doing all of those motions to, quote, have a relationship with God, I wasn't understanding him better from a philosophical standpoint, which is important for for me personally. So 
once I started to kind of untangle and f and fit together how I saw God um, and how I understood him and how philosophically that fit in with my uh, worldview, how it fits in practically with my day-to-day -day life, then I think things like reading regularly, praying regularly, all of those things um, become more meaningful. So I would say, yeah, it's true. I'm not lying when I say sitting and staring out the window. That's a huge part of uh, basically everything that I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, how, how do you guys feel like God works in your lives or how do you interact with God? Um, it's an interesting question. It can be kind of nebulous at times. Um, next question. Do you think the Adventist millennial name will age well? When we're 50, do you think we'll start wanting to downplay our age label? I mean, that's a valid point, right? But I did do that on purpose uh, because I am fine with rebranding at some point. Um, I know it's not necessarily super original, but the reason why I did that was because if you don't know me from Adam, uh, what's going to compel you to listen to my podcast? This, the thing about Adventist Millennial is that it's descriptive. Immediately you know, if you know anything about Adventists, you know where I'm coming from. And if you know anything about sort of um, the stereotype of Millennials, I guess, or just kind of the general view of them, then you also know another thing about me. So you have some context rather than like, the Emily show or whatever and you're like who's this and why should I care um so there are actually two other people that have done this before that I listened to conservative millennial who's Ali Stuckey and roaming millennial who is Lauren Chen and they have both since rebranded um Ali Stuckey always had her name public but went with the brand conservative millennial until people knew who she was and then she dropped it. Roaming millennial, her name wasn't public for a long time and people only knew her as roaming millennial. And then she finally, um, I guess doxed herself, you could say. Um, and, and so now people know her as Lauren Chen and they both have kind of transitioned away from those, those, uh, titles. And I, I definitely could see that happening, um, and I would be fine with that, and I think that when it's done serving its purpose, when it's not useful anymore, I won't use it anymore, um, but for now, it gives people, like, an automatic idea of who I am and what I'm about, at least as a starting place, and that was kind of the idea behind it. Okay, next question is, how do you deal with critics? Well, lucky me, I have not had many, actually, uh, surprisingly <laughs> for some of the stuff that I say, uh, not a lot of people have critiqued me outright. Um, I guess one perk of going after a mentality or challenging a mentality that is afraid to hear opposing views is that they don't hear your opposing view. Um, you know, I'm, I'm too spooky to listen to for the people who would really, I guess, have a critique or or whatever. Um, but also, you know, even though I haven't gotten a lot of criticism, I'm sure the people who don't like me are probably saying that to themselves and other people, just not to me, and that's fine. Um, if they don't like it, they don't have to consume it, and that's perfectly fine. 
I, I, if I do start getting more criticism, I don't think it will hugely affect me just because, um, I don't take things personally in general. Um, and also I do, it might not seem like it if you're just looking at what I create, the content that I create, especially my videos and stuff, but I do try to be really intentional about what I'm trying to say, how I say it, um, and how it might be taken um, by other people. So I run all my spicy ideas by people. I try to think through the reason why I'm doing it and if that's an honest reason or why it might be a good idea or a bad idea, how people might react to it and if I want them to react that way. So if I am to get legitimate criticism, hopefully it will just inform me to reassess my reasoning for doing things rather than get my feelings hurt or something like that because I, I really do try to have a, a concrete, at least in my own mind, concrete reason why I'm saying the things that I'm saying in the way that I'm saying them. So if I get critiques that are, that are actual critiques and not just, you know, reactions, um, knee-jerk reactions <laughs> to to the things that I'm at, in a way I'm trying to get reactions out of people in the hopes that it will give them occasion to consider things that we've always thought that <clears throat> maybe we need to reconsider. Um, so yeah, I haven't gotten tons of criticism, but hopefully I'll take it well when I do. Okay, next question is, what do you think an awesome local church for Adventist millennials would look like and why? And parenthetically, feel free to be super selfish with this one. Okay, you asked for it. I'm going to be super selfish with this. I see a perfect local church as be me sitting down and everyone coming and, you know, bowing and groveling at my feet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, actually, probably my ideal local church would be sort of like a sitcom <laughs> in the sense that, okay, you know how Friends or Seinfeld or whatever, these sitcoms usually are set around sort of a core cast of about six people. Um, this is basically the small group's idea, but funny <laughs> and effective. So the idea in sitcoms is you have these people that always hang out together. They're in each other's lives, whether it's friends or a family, like in Everybody Loves Raymond or whatever. Um, but you have your sort of nuclear, nuclear group of people. Um, and then they just hang out and, and you, I don't know, you wouldn't necessarily have to show up to things the way that you have to show up to church in the way that we traditionally think about it. Because if you're in a sitcom, you're always hanging out with each other anyway, hanging down at the local, you know, uh, what's the bar that they always hang out in, How I Met Your Mother, or, uh, the coffee shop that they always hang out at in Friends, or whatever, you're just in each other's lives in, in this kind of little small group way. And then I'm sure for us, the younger generations, there would be a digital aspect to it. I know I there are several group chats and threads and things that I am in where we all just kind of, our generation is used to just having sort of this ongoing eternal conversation that never really ends or starts. It's just kind of going on online all the time alongside of our real life. That would be an aspect of it for sure. Um, so then, so the idea is you would have all of these like 
various and multiple sitcoms or or small groups if you want to use churchy vernacular um and these little pods would then come together for a larger you know the emmys or the award shows or whatever where we can all come together and appreciate each other's small groups or sitcoms um but you don't actually have to heavily invest in the collective in the sense that okay we have a a tr- group of 300 people and the volunteers are like 10 people who are committed and then everybody just comes no you would have like your your sitcoms and then they all come together um and interact in a group dynamic but ultimately everyone is really only involved in their small uh small pod i guess does that make sense basically i just want to live in a sitcom is that so much to ask and if church is part of that, so be it. <laughs> um, okay, next question. What do you see as being the best way to evangelize our non-Christian millennial friends, given that we now live in a post-church society? Okay, first of all, I would say we have to actually live in the world, as opposed to saying that we live in the world but not of the world kind of thing, but we actually don't even live in the world. We isolate ourselves and we don't know anything that's happening and all that kind of thing. So first of all, live in the world. Next, I would say that there, I think there is a segment of the, of the millennial generation that, um, is ripe for the evangelizing, but we're not prepared to reach them because secular but rational millennials are starting to get disillusioned with the way that progressive uh social and political culture is playing out because we see that it's retarded you can fight me on that that's a side note but there is this group of people who um i think line up philosophically with what the great controversy has to offer but they are not willing to entertain the possibility of god because of the way christianity has presented god historically which is honestly a terrible representation so first of all we have to get our own theology straight um the this is kind of the jordan peterson crowd the the people who see the value in christian culture judeo-christian society a social fabric that's based on the values of these uh cultures that has been very successful in the western world they see the value of that even if they don't personally believe in god themselves there's a large group of people in that camp who I think would be willing to adopt Christianity if they were presented an idea of God that wasn't repulsive to them. Um, and I don't think we're ready to reach those people because we still have a repulsive view of God. So I see two mission fields. One, in our own uh, sphere of Christianity where we need to correct our own um, view of what we believe and to be able to share that with other people and then to the people who would be on board because it l- matches their, f- their philosophy of life if it was presented to them that, in that way. So I don't know that's my opinion. I'm still trying to figure out myself how to kind of connect these two audiences or see where they overlap or if they overlap. I suspect there is definitely a mission field out there if we can get our own act together and figure out how to communicate with those people. So that's what I would say. Okay, so thank you for all of your questions. If you have more questions, sub-questions, branch-off questions, um, 
challenges, which you shouldn't have any challenges because I already said that this was prophetically true, um, let me know. Send me a message on Instagram and Facebook, uh, and I will counter and ask you guys some questions. I want to know, what are your favorite pieces of culture, um, that you like and enjoy but shouldn't because of, you know, my Adventism or whatever? Um, share your favorite parts of culture with me, um, and we can talk about those things. Okay, cool. Have a great weekend. See you guys next Friday for our Black Friday episode.